Welcome to Living with Jonathan and Katie in a highly racialized America. I mean, it's the America we've always been in. It's just it is. the the Black Lives Matter movement has pulled the the, the clans hood off. And has turned the party in the streets yes, of America. The country has been so, honestly, for someone who is like me, this country has been difficult to live in for the past 10 years. I can't even imagine what it is like for Black people at all. And so I am really digging the shaking up of society, the shaking down of racial structures, of power structures. I'm really... I'm in a hopeful state in a weird chaotic way where I'm just kind of like, let's get out, let's keep protesting, let's abolish the police, let's get um, more funding to schools, let's get major reform, let's switch around this two-party system. Like there's so much to be done, but it's very scary because it's kind of like a lot of it could also go backwards too. And, and is trying. People are trying to push things back. What are, you, what are you feeling right now? Are you change, I think here? change is scary, but it starts with you. And I see a change in you already that you are wearing tank tops. Thank you so much. And it's for racial equality, right? Absolutely not. It's for my own vanity. <laughs> Guys, it's Jonathan's. Oh, this has been an amazing week for Jonathan. It is Jonathan's birthday week. And when the people. 28 years old. 28 years old. The people are in the streets rioting, which you love. And they're rioting because they cannot believe that I'm... That you're only 28. <laughs> um, no, this is... You guys have probably noticed, to our tens and tens of viewers, and listeners, um, that we have not released in, what, the past three weeks? Um, uh, I, think, I think it's been two, out of respect for the situations. We have been protesting. We have... Right. We just didn't want to be promoting, like bullshit while this was going on and we wanted to use our tweets for you know um promoting the protests in different places that, um donate to and different uh disgusting uh mayors around the country that you can uh, slam and troll with emails uh, <laughs> always. for cyber we've dedicated the last two weeks to cyberbullying. <laughs> honestly shout out to black lives matter la for making Mayor Eric Garcetti incredibly uncomfortable by surrounding his house. That's the ultimate troll move in like the best way. Um, and I really hope he didn't have an, another home because I just really wanted him to be like, I wish, I wish I could be a fly on the wall inside the house while he's like going crazy because of all these cars and people yelling and all that stuff. Um, well, I'm sure he has a second family, but this is just the his primary residence. <laughs> yeah, you know these rich people all have like different homes. Um, but I hope someone we need to find out where these like second homes are of these rich politicians, like their condos or their little like fuck pads or whatever they have. <laughs> and we need to go in and squat in them so that they have to go back to their home and they have to be there while everyone is surrounding them, keeping them from going to sleep. 10 out of 10 would love. I feel like I, you know, I mean, th there's a huge call right now on all white women to use their privilege in certain ways. And I always have thought like, could I infiltrate somehow? Like, could I, I think I'm aging out of like um, hired escort for the Republican <laughs> party, unfortunately. Um, and apparently according to Lindsey Graham, I would be the wrong gender anyways. But um, I do always feel like, could I just Shout like- Miss Lindsey Graham. <laughs> Queen Graham. <laughs> um, I have wondered, like, could I just, like, put on, like, a tight red dress and just, like, go to those soirees and, like, just infiltrate, you know, their bedrooms and we their policies? I like, Jewess during the Nazi time. Jewess. The and goddess, but she was killing Nazis instead. I've always, yeah, I would love some sort of sabotage. So if, if anybody, if any activists have any ideas out there of how I can infiltrate white Republican parties and just sort of mix things up, you know? Yeah, I feel like I could, I have such a versatile look, I feel like it infiltrate many different things. I feel like I could infiltrate the Armenian Mafia, I could yes. infiltrate the Republican National Convention, I could infiltrate yeah. the Mormons, I feel like I could infiltrate the Spanish royal family. <laughs> I feel like I could- Especially in, in the 1800s. <laughs> 
Yes, I oh, I could totally infiltrate the Mexican elite because the way they all speak Spanish, like upper rich white Mexicans, they sound like they're from the valley, but speak Spanish. If that makes sense, like. Can you do an example? Um, no, my Spanish is not that good to do an example, but um, maybe I'll do an audio drop of of the Fresa novelas that I watch. Um, in, in later in the podcast. I feel like I could infiltrate there too because I could either be like a Fox News anchor or or a um or a Mexican telenovela star. Yeah, you could be like like remember I told you there was like a an English woman who came over from England to Mexico and became like a telenovela star and she always like spoke with like a very thick English accent but in Spanish and like she died of cancer and she was in under the same moon. She played like the racist white lady who was about to report Kate del Castillo to the um, to La Migra. But also, I have a problem with that movie. I hate that they cast like Kate del Castillo as like the poor Mexican woman who was coming over. Because I'm just like, I know that there are Mexican women who look like Kate del Castillo, but most don't, especially in that situation. Like most don't look like her. You know what I mean? Like Kate del Castillo looks like a country music star. So yeah. I'm just kind of like, come on, like they could have, they should have cast other, uh, another person, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so this week we have decided, um, we actually just want to run through different uh, black run content creators that we really like and we want to give them shouts, shout outs, not that they need it from us, but we just want to uh, talk about people who have influenced us, whether it's a writer, an artist, a comedian. Uh, and a especially because it is Pride Month. It is Jonathan's birthday month. So we want to especially uplift queer black voices. Yes, so we definitely, I, that made it sound I was, like I was black, but I'm, I'm not, <laughs> but I would, I, would, I would like it for this month if we on this podcast could um, uplift queer black voices, but it doesn't need to be queer, like just black voices in general too. Um, but I do actually have a lot of queer black voices on my list actually right now. Um, so did you want to start or did you, what else has been going on with you, Katie? I mean, we just, we've been in the middle. Yeah, we've just, we've all been going through the same thing last two weeks of just like, wow. Um, I'm proud that we've continued to go to protests. We went to one on Saturday um, yeah. in front of uh, City yeah. Hall. And it is interesting, it is the protest vibes have are like starting to evolve, you know, because it went from like, um, you know, like a lot of like in the streets, anger and rage and pain, and there still is, but now it's like they're as they're getting bigger, they're getting more, and I think people are like, um, feeling more calm because I guess, like, you know, a lot of the like, I don't know, they're just the peace, the protests are peaceful and they're like getting more chill. But, um, I, I honestly feel from the minute we started protesting um way back on the first one in Hollywood that we were at not this Saturday but the last Saturday I think it was before the one where the lady drove into the crowd I feel like that protest was incredibly peaceful incredibly sorrowful and somber and also hopeful at the same time I feel like things did not start to break down into violence until that lady drove her van in until that dude that you saw Katie driving um donuts to intimidate the protesters and when I was leaving the protest all the cops were already there in their gear and they were like chanting George Floyd on their loudspeaker but in like a mocking way and they were like all laughing so I feel like it was those forces that were creating this like element of rage at the protest because they were there to cause that cause chaos you know yeah I think that we both we felt the same that it was very especially the first Saturday's one was very very um very emotional and very powerful we went and we handed out waters and snacks and that was really nice to like I feel like help care for now and now it's like every protest is like well organized and there's like snack stations and like hand sanitizer stations and stuff but um it was very beautiful and I'm really really happy we went and I did not feel um that day I like just couldn't sit at home it felt like there's nothing I could be doing that would be worthwhile other than that so yeah. I'm glad we've continued to go but I was going to say is that now it is a little bit of a different vibe that Saturday was um it was much more chill we went we listened to their like speeches and stuff yeah um and I gotta say there were I mean there were a lot of like hot protesters out I think it's because we have the hot between the two sides we have the hottest people for sure 
I think well, that's just like people. I am proud of. I think that's country. statistical. Um, that our side is the hottest side. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, look at. I do have to say, and this plays right into. I am very proud of both the millennial and the Gen Z generations because yeah. both people out on the street, you're seeing uh, Gen Zers in their teens, their teens and their early 20s. You're seeing millennials in their uh, late 20s and in their 30s, um, and some people in their 40s. But for most of it, you are seeing people in their 30s, 20s, and teen years. So it is like the youth is out, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm very proud, and uh, but not too proud. Uh, not too going proud. Out. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, it is very powerful though to see all 50 states had protests. Over 140 cities had protests just in America alone, around the world. I mean, everyone listening probably knows this, but let's just recap. I mean, yeah. around the world, they're protesting in New Zealand, in Berlin, in Spain, in uh, Mexico. They're protesting for us and also for their own police brutality. And also, let's talk about the French. The French, you know how they love to protest? me I, I was watching a video the french are crazy like that that whole spirit of we'll cut off your head if you fuck with us that's so alive in france and i, I that's the only thing i really like about the french culture is is how and that's honestly the most important thing you're is, gonna get canceled for being anti-french <laughs> well you know what i'm not anti-french you know what i am anti-french food girl it's too much butter i'm sorry um that's no, the colonialism in the diet so sorry about that but what I did love about it, they were piling up lime scooters and Vespas and lighting those bitches on fire. <laughs> they were protesting their own military police for the killing of a black Frenchman as oh, well as wow. solidarity with uh, American Black Lives Matter. So it was great. So Black Lives Matter has now become the biggest um, movement in history, the biggest civil rights movement. It's now on a global scale. And remember when we were at that demonstration in front of City Hall together on Saturday, Katie? Remember those two old timers who got up who were alive during the civil rights movement? Yeah. And they said that the marches back then were not as diverse as they are now. And that's yeah. that's so great to to see. So I just that's I think we both agreed to I was so shocked that first I mean I shocked and not I don't know but like it was it was so diverse the very first protest we went to I was like really that was actually probably one of the most heartening things yes. to see and we saw like white families with like little kids we saw like all sorts of people and you do see like older people and I like them they're they're the people that have been like marching for everything since like 1960 you know I love I love to see an old white lady with her long gray braid you know um but uh no but it is it's very inspiring it's it's really freaking cool to see and observe and like it's very very um yeah it's just it's it's really a why i mean as emotional and obviously awful as it is it's a like it's a pretty fascinating time to be observing and be a part of yeah it's amazing um and i'm still of course floored by all the, and I'm only gonna shout these people out because these are people in my community, all the like gay and Latino and gay Latino people who are like sharing racist stuff on Facebook and saying racist stuff against the protesters. I mean, it's just been for me a never ending unfriend, unfriend, unfriend of people that I met once, you know, or never or never at all. Um, so I feel like there's still a lot of work to do. Like people are still, there's still huge factions against this movement, you know? Um, also, did you hear though about what J.K. Rowling said about trans women? What she did? You I didn't. I it, it got buried in my feed. I heard she said something, but I don't know what it was. I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the whole. She like released this big essay, and then before that, she like tweeted a bunch of stuff, and then like months before that, she tweeted a bunch of stuff, and that's when I like unfollowed her and muted her. Um, but like two days ago she tweeted um, all this stuff basically saying like trans men and trans women aren't real men and aren't real women and that there's nothing wrong with saying that um and that trans trans women's activism directly undermines biological women's uh rights and that trans women are basically men taking away women's rights um 
And so it, of course, created this like oh. uproar. And um, and then she released today a blog post that was so mind-numbingly boring. And it was like, there was no facts in it, no footnotes, no references to any study or any kind of anything like that. It was literally, Katie read like a pseudo academic um, paper from back in the 1800s, you know, that they would write about like, Black hysterical people. women or something. Oh, the yeah. stuff that they would write about black people being racially inferior or gays or like pseudo academic papers about gays and lesbians' mental illness. Because for the whole paper, she was basically calling like trans people mentally ill. And she was basically saying yes. that like she thinks if she was born 30 years later, she might be someone who is trans right now because she would have mental illness. And she also brought autistic people into the fold and she was like and i get really sad about like autistic trans people because they can't make their like it's just like it was crazy <laughs> people were like commenting being like i'm autistic and trans and like i'm not like do you even know what autistic is like i'm not like i mean i'm capable of making my own decisions you know it was all this it was just a it was bullshit dribble it was just like this woman's opinions on things and honestly i do have to say my sixth grade diary has more concrete facts than jk rowling's <laughs> transphobic manifesto crap I well mean, your diary is pure poetry actually poetry. yes <laughs> like here's a fact jonathan only got erections in bible class that's a fact okay <laughs> what's not a fact is what what what's something that she said um oh she she said that tr the trans activism she compared it to incels and donald trump saying that trans women are basically men trying to shut down real women and i was like there's so much wrong with that statement that's not a fact that's what we call a deranged opinion oh girl <laughs> opinion yeah um she literally in a single sentence compared trans women to people who are like voting for Donald Trump, Donald Trump himself and incels. I was like, girl, we're, we're done. I mean, it was crazy. Yikes. It, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, if you read it, it may remind you of something, some, some, some similar literature you may have read by a special someone. <laughs> what are you talking about? We'll cut this out, but I just, <laughs> um, it's very much like conspiracy, uh, it has a very like conspiracy theory like tone to it of just like just bullshit dribble that's going on. Oh yes, like a, a certain relative of mine. Yeah. Yes, got it. Triggering. I will say one thing that I am proud of that I have not done to the black community this week is write any poetry about <laughs> my sadness. And I do want to say that that's how I show my allyship is not writing poetry or self-indulgent social media posts about power. Well, can I tell you, the black community keeps gifting us with many things. So the thing that they're trying to gift us with now is ending police brutality and reform. That will benefit the entire country and the entire world. So that's a gift that black people are trying to give us right now. But another gift that they gave that they gave us on Twitter is, and this is shout out to black gay men. There is a beautiful thread on Twitter of black gay men screenshotting their grinder conversations between <gasps> white gay men who are like oh. like for the cause but like fake about it. Oh the, 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 the screenshots are literally yes. like crazy shit where they were like, um, I'm so sorry about my racism. Please use my white mouth. And everyone and literally Oh my god. And they would like put the screenshot and then the caption would be like, I'm leaving Grindr forever and I'm leaving the internet. <laughs> like, oh my God. So much stuff about that. There was this one where the guy was like, I'm so sorry for the racism. And as an apology to all black people, I will be giving apology blowjobs. And everyone was like, oh <laughs> my God. Because you know what people love more than being fetishized for their race? They also love sympathy sex. <laughs> It's just like insane. I mean, uh, I can't, I will say on Twitter, I haven't seen like those threads, but just the 
white gay social media influencer world is probably the craziest of all of the social influencer worlds. Like the pictures I've seen of like, like one guy put one of those stupid, like it was like him naked staring at himself in the mirror with like a hot, like his like thick ass out or whatever. And he's like looking in the mirror and then he hashtagged it. And it was like, hashtag, I can't breathe. Hashtag George Floyd. And it was like, when I look at the mirror at my own privilege, I just think that's crazy that I live in this. Like it was just so gross and self-indulgent. I saw exactly that post, Katie, and his He's ass insane. is hanging, right? He's, He's like, naked. He's naked. Yeah. It's so insane. It's like, so I... That too on the thread. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what can be done. Do we report them? <laughs> like, how do, how do we silence white gays? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Especially during Pride Month. <laughs> um, honestly because most of them are racist, just talk about black and Asian things because yeah, they do. don't, as a lot of their profiles love to say, no no blacks and no Asians and no femmes and no fats. Like a lot of their profiles um, used to say that and still say that. I mean, that that was prevalent just a few years ago. Like that was the norm to see that. And in fact, I would even get messages from white gays. Literally, I've gotten several messages like this throughout the years. Um, this this is exactly verbatim of one of the messages it was hey just checking are you white because you look white but your profile says latino but i only like white guys and then another guy said the same thing but literally said i'm looking for a real white that's what he said and i was like okay like that's crazy to me that's insane. i can't even imagine what it's like for like black men and Asian men and this stuff. And they were, they were screenshotting some of the stuff. Like some of the people were literally like, I don't like black people. Like straight up would just say that in the message and stuff. Like they, I mean, they should be screenshotted. And I will say, I want to thank you because I, I feel like I, like I kind of tangentially knew about this, but it wasn't until I knew you and that you, I feel you would like tell me and show me like crazy shit that people put that I was like aghast at that. But Good. I mean, good. They screenshot them. Yeah. Fuck them. How do you feel, um, before we dive into um, shouting out people, can we just really talk about how do you feel about the Lindsey Graham, Lady G potential story? <laughs> <laughs> if well, you guys don't know, tell the people. No, 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 no. Wait, actually, you tell okay. them, because all I've actually heard about that story is that he um, slept with some male prostitutes and he's trying to, they're trying to get out of the NDA agreement and he's trying to stop it, but it's like this catch-22 because people are like, well, if you didn't sleep with them, then why do you have them under an NDA and why are you trying to protect it? But do you yeah. know more about it? Can you actually- No, just, I just know that that's the story and that his like code name among the gay escorts of DC is Lady G. Lady G is his code name? Yeah, it was trending. Mission. And it was not Lady Gaga, it was Lady G was trending for him. Of, here's the thing, of course he's like super, it's just so trite and cliche that these like super vehemently anti-gay homophobic politicians all turn out to be gay and pastors you know um like what was that pastor from way back when in the 2000s like uh, ted haggard or whatever so many of them so many one there was like a recent one that just did it's crazy and what's so what's so insane about these people is like instead of just taking the hit themselves and suffering through the oppression of coming out and dealing with a society that doesn't accept you, right? Which is very hard to do, but every gay man has to do it. And it's harder for others, depending on what country you live in, what, what, what ethnicity and skin color you are. Yes, it's harder and easier for others, but people do it. And it's better to do that than to keep yourself hidden and in the closet while then overcompensating by oppressing your own people, by oppressing other humans and and gay people, because the truth will come out. It doesn't matter how many prostitutes you sleep with and how many people you get bribed and have them sign whatever NDAs you get them to sign. If you sleep with someone, it is not a secret. It's going to come out. So just come out when you're gay. Just come out, be a faggot. If you have to disown your family, that sucks, do it because you, there is life out there and you can find another chosen family if your family doesn't um, accept you. I mean, as I said, I'll cut a bitch off. I don't care who you are. 
I mean, I've cut my own sister off because my happiness is more important than my relationship with her. The fact that I share blood with her is coincidental. Like these pastors are so repressed and are just feel so scared and hopeless that they turn themselves, they make choices to oppress other people and they turn themselves into monsters. And now that everyone knows that he's gay, he's not gonna be welcomed in by the queer community. No, 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 you're done, yeah. you're exiled off to Siberia. That's the thing. So, I mean, the argument being people are like delighting, of course, in the like hypocrisy of it, but some people are like, he doesn't, even if he's like a demon, he doesn't deserve to get outed. But what is your feeling about that? Does If you oppress other gay men, you do deserve to get outed. Yeah. Not, not being outed is for normal people who don't oppress others or like gay teenagers who haven't come out yet. Like, that's fine. That Those people, I think they should come out in their own time and you should respect them. But if you see that someone's hurting the community, bitch, anything goes then. Yeah. I think. Well, you heard it here first, Lady G. Fuck you and don't subscribe. <laughs> Lady G. Literally. I want to call, they should just call all Republican senators Lady D, Lady G. <laughs> if I was Nancy Pelosi, I would be the pettiest bitch. I'd be like, <laughs> Lady G submits her comments. I thought it was I thought it was a new nickname for Gaga. For no, I know. I wish. I love Lady Everything. That's the new. Oh my god. That's the new T. Okay. So funny. Why don't you start okay. with your list of or yeah. give a few people of your list and what what wait, should we show yeah. the their art or are we gonna get a copyright infringement? Um, I'm not sure about that, but we can tag like in the description of everything, like everybody and everything we mentioned and like links to it. Okay, cool. Um, I would like to say, so I've been thinking this, this, uh, this has all been great to like reflect on, um, not just like the black culture you consume, which we all, which we all do, especially if you're a white suburban teenager, like your culture is black culture because, uh, it's like 99% of everything. Or a Mexican teenager who thinks that they can say the N word, which it's a lot of Mexican teenagers. <laughs> Spoiler, it's a lot um no but I've been thinking about people whose like art or writing or whatever I consumed that like expanded my perspective and things like that mm -hmm. so somebody that I got it really into a few years ago before Pose was Janet Mock and if you guys don't know she is a uh black transgender woman who was an activist she wrote um two memoirs about coming out as trans and now she is like writer producer um, director of Pose and a lot of other things and she's just like stunningly gorgeous and I think it's important to isolate all people down to just what they look like first <laughs> and that is beautiful. Um, she is, she wrote two books, one is um, called, um, oh shit I should look, it's uh, Becoming, let me see Jenna Mott books, one is Redefining Realness and one is, uh, let me see, books, what is it? um redefining realness and uh surpassing certainty and i read both of those a while back because i was interested like in the trans experience i i think that something i'm like i like about myself is that i am curious about things that are very far from me i mean like she's like a black trans woman she's also she's actually black half black half native hawaiian so that's a very like a, also narrative that you like never really hear about um and i was just like here found came across her article or work or something like that and read her memoirs and i really loved they were really really interesting they were very informative about um uh like trans experience and why like healthcare matters and kind of the like trajectory of like a trans person's life and that's not to say it's like a monolith that everybody's like that but i it was really interesting hearing her talk about um like her personal experience also her own privilege because she talks a lot about like she has pretty privilege because she is like truly stunningly goddess level like beautiful um and she even was on oprah and even oprah was like do you think pretty privilege is real and she was like absolutely 100 percent. like i've benefited from that um and it's also why she's like full on like a movie star now because she is just so pretty um but it was really interesting and she's someone who like she got married she's actually been married twice um and I just really loved her talking about um 
like her experience and also because she she started working at people magazine before she like kind of went through the ranks of like into television writing and more hollywood stuff and that was really interesting hearing her talk about because i came from a publishing editorial background i mean people magazine dog fancy magazine basically the same publishing world you know <laughs> but i liked her perspective on also because she is very pretty and she was a young black woman <clears throat> needing to temper her prettiness and like approach these like largely white female editors in a certain way to be like either taken seriously or to not be deemed a threat in whatever way okay. and that so like god is like that it's like people could be intimidated too yeah and like um just how she's perceived in the workplace and in publishing and in like that thing so that was very um interesting to me as somebody who kind of worked in that field too mm -hmm. um and then of course she you know has now like worked on pose and all these things and she continues to create create great stuff but i she's somebody who really um expanded my perspective of the world and really like it for that That's wonderful you know you're the you're the one years ago that actually introduced me to janet mock through one of her i think she gave a ted talk or some type of speech and you played it for me on youtube and that's the first thing i ever saw of her was her giving this speech you know oh cool um yeah um who I want to shout out um, is two things, but it's part of kind of the same thing. Um, I want to shout out Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange, as yes. well as Peppermint, yes. because Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange have this podcast called Sibling Rivalry that I've been listening to since the beginning. It's been running for, I think, a year, maybe two. And I just started listening, like, really fairly recently. Just catching podcast. up. Such a good podcast. Yeah. Please listen to them. If you don't already, they probably have a lot of listeners um, because they're so beloved. But I, what I love about their podcast is just seeing these two black gay men who are successful drag queens thriving in the world. And the podcast is basically just their friendship and their dynamic. And it's so heartwarming. And their love for each other is palpable even when they're arguing with each other, which is every single episode. Oh, yeah, they're of like, it's called shit. sibling rivalry for a reason, because they're always, yes. yeah. Like, they will, like, they would argue, like, Monet would say that this lighter is periwinkle, and Bob would say it's it's gray-green. And they would argue about <laughs> that for minutes. But there's so much love there. But recently, in the last episode, that not the one that they just released, but the episode before that, they were talking about, um, how Bob feels about his safety in staying in America. And it was a very emotional episode, which usually sibling rivalry is not. It's usually very fun and it's about the friendship and their dynamic. But of course, the climate is, of course, influencing their content. And Bob um, and Monet read like a bunch of names of uh, Black Americans who were murdered by the police. And Bob was getting very emotional and Monet was comforting him. And it was just so heartwarming and sweet and just reinforced what you already knew about the podcast before this, which is that they're there for each other. They're such good friends. And it's just so, such a funny, funny podcast, but it's also very heartwarming because you get to see these genuine friends who love each other uh, talk um, weekly. And the only complaint about the podcast that people have is that there's not enough episodes. They're like, That's funny. where are there more episodes? Um, so just listen to them. It's, it is, to me, prime Black queer content to be listening to right now. I mean, they um, offer points of views that I feel like enlighten me and, you know, bring me, challenge me, bring me a lot of joy. I love them. But also, Bob started a web show with peppermint that's specifically political and so and, and socially oriented to talk about things like black lives matter and why it's important to say it and each episode focuses on different things like that but it's specifically for political things so it's it's not as um i would say joyous as baba monet's podcast but it is such a good fit like peppermint and bob are so such good queer black figures to listen to on uh topics about race intersectionality between race and um, being gay and trans and 
the points that they make about just just being someone who is not black and an ally and why it's important to be vocal and say things and how it's hurting people if you don't. I mean, and there's other subjects they talk through in each episode and they do it over Zoom and it's amazing. Like, I absolutely love it. I like always like um, eat or drink my coffee and just like watch the whole thing on the TV. Um, it's called Bob and Peppermint and it's on YouTube. And you can find both Sibling Rivalry and Bob and Peppermint on YouTube and on um, Spotify and wherever podcasts are offered. If you go to Bobby Jackson's like YouTube channel or you search them on Spotify, like it's very, very easy to find. I just think it's it's amazing. A plus content. I, I love that. And just in case we didn't mention, and if you guys don't know those, um, all three people Jonathan mentioned are um, RuPaul's Drag Queens. RuPaul's Drag Race Drag Queen. Yes. Um, I'm looking at my list here. I'm thinking, should we, yeah, well, should we keep it? Um, keep it going. This is not a queer one, but this is another show that I love so much and I think is doing really interesting work culturally for women and I presume it's particularly Black women, but I love it so much and that is Jada Pinkett Smith's Red Table Talk featuring Willow and her mom. Oh my God, and- billboards. I love, now this is the thing, I, I feel like I talk about this, a lot of people don't watch it, but it has like 34 million fans on Facebook. It's a Facebook live or a Facebook show and um, they sit around a red table and each there's like a different theme and the well, kind of hook. A lot of people do watch it. They have 34 million. No, I know, but I'm saying I talk about it and I don't know people, like people don't, I know don't watch it or something. Um, but I really love how the idea being that there's also like three generations of women who, you know, each have very different experiences. Like her, Jada's mom was um, addicted to crack for like most of her life and is clean and became a nurse. And like, so Jada, Jada grew up like, I think in Baltimore, like in Hardcore Project, both her parents were addicts, like a very, very rough and tumble um, thing. And then now her mom is like obviously older and now they live in this like palatial estate in Hidden Hills with Will and then Willow. And it's a really interesting look because obviously like, there are three generations of black women, but Willow is like a wealthy celebrity's child who has a very different experience. Right. Um, and I know that people give like Willow and Jaden a lot of shit because they're like, oh, these are like weird rich kids or whatever. But I've also heard the argument that it's like actually cool that they're like, cool, let them be like weird artistic black rich kids. Cause like, th- you know, white rich kids get to be that all the time. So why can't exactly. them, you know? And it goes back to what, remember we've said this before, white people, we've talked about this on the podcast white people have a monopoly on the middle class the upper middle class and the rich class and it should not be that way people of color should be part of that too you know that just let them be you know and i know a lot of people i know that there's a lot of class rage and i understand it and i have a degree to my own but i do feel and i know a lot of people are like no fuck them they're all celebrities kids i think that that is being not just a rich kid but a celebrity's child i think is its own trauma for sure like, you can't deny that it's so weird. Like, I've heard Willow talk about, like, women trying to seduce her dad in front of her, like, when she was, like, nine, and, like, how awful and gross and weird that is. Um, but I love, I'm, to be honest, I mean, I knew, you know, Jada through, like, film, whatever, but I didn't really know much about her, but I'm so impressed with her. Every episode is on a certain theme, and they are so candid, so frank, so honest, and very, very deep, like, kind of, I feel like thinkers and feelers and Jada is very much about like, let's talk about kind of taboo issues. Like they did one episode on like, should white people be allowed to adopt black children? And they were kind of like her and her mom were like, "Mm, we don't think they should because they won't know the cultural context. And then Kristen Davis came on to talk about how she had adopted her children and how like, I guess what you have to like, you you can't, you actually have to like, be open to adopting a black child you actually select the race you want to adopt so like you have to be like basically sign up for it and then you also have to go through training like they they literally send like white adoptive parents to like hair school for their kids now and they have these like immersive racial training things so it's just it's very enlightening and i really love that they are so like open and honest and even when it's really hard like subjects or things that they're very open and jada's had like other celebrities who she's had like problems with in the past like i think i think gabrielle union and her kind of had a rocky past that she came on to kind of like squash it um 
so they're very they're very um I don't know. I just find them to be very enlightening. And my favorite episode is uh, the one, it's just kind of the whole, like, it's Will and Jada talking about their relationship. And they are so real about how, like, Jada, like, was basically, like, having kind of, like, a huge midlife crisis. And she and Will were having so many problems. And how he was, like, kind of just trying to, like, fix everything by, like, throwing her a grand birthday party and, like, for her 40th and how it was, like, the most miserable night of her life and they were on the rocks and it just, I love, I mean, I love, like, celebrity memoirs anyways, but I was, like, wow, they're, like, being very honest and they talk about, like, the therapy they've gone to, couples counseling, kind of staying on the level and I just really respect people who, like, um, I don't like the idea of, like, celebrating or, like, you know, there's a lot of people who are very, like, showboaty about their problems or trauma Right. you know and they're like oh it's so hard but I like them as model of like this is what we've done and this is how we've like healed through it and like I the follow-up of like healing and working through things as opposed to just like the scandal of your like dirt you know what I mean right that's so, really great love... it's on Facebook live yeah it's on it's or it's on Facebook um there's I'll... also a great uh part with it because Jaden well this is like kind of queer but like Jaden was the model for Louis Vuitton women one season and he was wearing a skirt and he oh, didn't I remember that that caused so much controversy yeah and even Jada talks about how like he he didn't tell Will and then Will saw it and called Jada like kind of furious and so that was like an interesting With what? what was he furious about that well, well just I mean the like subtext being with all of it and they said this in so many ways that they were like black male masculinity you know and they're like her, his his dad is like the hottest male straightest black male action star yeah. you know and like is known for being this like super masked dude and like obviously i'm sure he has his own kind of paradigm about that and him being like oh, what jade what what the fuck is jaden doing you know so and jade i like jada because jada is like a super free spirit and she's like have to ask jaden then like she doesn't care that's crazy. I yeah. mean, Will did do that gay sex scene in Six Degrees of Separation, I think it was. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. No, but he had a lot of trouble with it, and there were certain things he wouldn't do. And, uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, that's just like a straight guy thing. Latino masculinity is very similar. You know, that's just like a straight guy thing that people are thinking. I'm glad that Jaden does stuff like that, because I do think it's like the younger generation of men in general not just straight men who are kind of like pushing the boundaries of masculinity and being like to the older generation yeah you gotta lighten up and let things go not everything is so like serious like oh my god he's wearing a skirt so he's gay it's like he could just be wearing a skirt yeah so that's that's great um i want to shout out i mean you know who i'm probably gonna say it's two artists i'm i'm taking two at a time i don't know that's fine. You're double D. Top listening to. Okay. First of all, we have to talk about there is a black female renaissance in music in general happening right now. And it's been happening for several years. But there's also specifically a renaissance happening with black female rap artists. And there's so many good ones. There's Megan Thee Stallion. There's Rico Nasty. Um, there's uh, Doja Cat. There's a lot of really good ones out there. But the one that I'm really, really into, and I know I'm like literally Johnny come lately on this because you introduced me to her, is Tara Wack, who I'm obsessed with. She's a Philly artist. Um, she uh, released a 15-minute album and visual album called Wack World, like back in 2018. And ever since then, she's been releasing EPs. And she came up like really young on the Philly scene. She went viral when she was just a teenager, just like rapping on the streets. Um, if you don't know who Tara Wack is, you have to listen to her. I keep mentioning her um, name to people and not enough people know who she is. Um, and just go onto Spotify, listen to any one of her songs. She's just, a, I mean, I don't know what you think, Katie, but I truly think she is such a good rapper she's also a good singer she's like a true artist like her her work makes me laugh cry think make me dance it just like makes it just takes me through just like so many emotions um it's absolutely amazing she got nominated for a grammy recently for um that song mumbo jumbo 
where she didn't even, there was no lyrics in it. She basically had like a, a swollen mouth because she had just come back from the dentist and she like put all the cotton balls in her mouth and instead of actually doing the lyrics to the song she was gonna record, she just basically mouthed it so it doesn't sound like she's saying anything. And she turned it into this like amazing dystopian set video that got nominated for a Grammy in the past year. She's amazing. Tierra Whack, you need to listen Get on it. And I'll say, I know you say I interested you. I don't think I did. I, I don't know. Cause I'll be honest. And we've talked about it. I need to get into her more. Like I have her playlist, but I haven't been, it's not been on repeat. Um, cause Chris and I listened through it and we were like, Oh, that's cool. Cause we'd heard, I don't know, whatever about her. Um, but I know you stand her big time. So oh, I love her. I mean, I just need to bring the, I need to cycle through the playlist more, if you're but I like, I, from the, from the outside I go, I like, I love it. I get it. If you're looking, if you're listening and you're looking her up right now, click on clones click on mumbo jumbo, click on unemployed, click on fruit salad, click on hungry hippo, click on Dr. Seuss. Those are some of her songs. Um, click on sore loser. That's probably my favorite track of hers. Um, I mean, there's just so many. She puts out so much good stuff. Another person I want to shout out is Coffee, who you introduced me to. Here on yeah, the- that is what, yeah. I, okay, this girl- it's such is- a good song. Oh. Toast, yes. Okay, but here's the thing. She has like five other songs. She has like six songs total. She's not released a full album. She's only released EPs. She's she's about to be the next big thing. She is this Jamaican rapper and singer, I guess. And she she sings in English and patois, and it's just like. And she's like nineteen. She's so she's super young. young. I truly thought she was like a thirty year old who looked young. Yeah. Just seems like her art just seems so. Mature. mature you know yeah. but she is so in- incredibly talented i don't even think you could really box her in and what in what she is you know in terms of artistically and that's really fine look up yeah. how spelled with the k the rest and of the normal and it's like great it's great dance hall jamaican yeah it's like um toast that some of her songs um rapture uh throne she's only released like a few EPs and they're so good and they're so well received and she's had a lot of fans. Um, I saw one of her tiny desk sessions where she was basically doing her songs live and they have a completely different vibe live, but she's such a naturally gifted live performer. Like she's a live performer. She's not someone who needed backtracks or anything. She was just in that office for tiny desk sessions doing her like highly produced songs that we've listened to, but in a stripped down way. She's amazing. When she drops an album, mark my word, she's going to be like the next big thing. Cause she's already she's already this good and making this much waves with just a few EPs. I mean, yeah. she's so good. Now I don't know, I don't know much about her personal life. I don't know if she's a lesbian. I don't know if she's not binary. I don't know if she's gender non-conforming. I get that vibe a little bit from her aesthetic, but even if she's not, it doesn't matter. It's it's her stuff is fire i mean i just i've been listening to tiara and coffee just you know when you get obsessed with artists and you just cannot stop listening to their music yeah like i'll just be obsessed with them it'll probably take months for me to get tired of it like go listen to tiara Wack and coffee i love it um we have more but i want to we'll do them throughout the month i don't want to burn them all yeah out. we're gonna do more episodes um, um but we did uh before we go we did want to talk about richard a little bit we um i think another reason that we were kind of like two weeks of silence and craziness is that we uh well i'll let you talk uh so a few weeks ago just two weeks ago um a really dearly beloved comedian in the la comedy scene and from the portland scene before that richard bain passed away and he was a friend of so many people in the la comedy scene um and he passed away by suicide. And we didn't want to talk about it right away because there was a lot of his very close friends, like the people over at The Male Gaze, uh, like um, Amy Miller on her podcast. They released amazing podcasts talking about his life in a very in-depth way from a very real place from people who truly knew him inside and out. Um, So I wanted them to, you know, I wanted to listen to that stuff and I wanted to just kind of respect it instead of trying to capitalize on his death, really. But I do think we need to mention it because 
Richard was someone who I knew for nine years. He was a friend. We weren't very close, but he was definitely someone who I saw a lot, who I talked to a lot, who I messaged with, and who always made me feel so appreciated and so happy. And he's someone that I always looked up to as like a comedy elder because like he came down to LA from Portland when I was like, I think one or two years into standup. So when I saw him, I thought he was just so good. And you know how like when you are young in comedy and you think certain people are good and they turn out not to be because you get <laughs> you're like, oh, why did I think they were good? He was someone who I always was like, no, this guy is great. He should be a comedy star. He should be in movies. He was just someone who was not only a great comedy writer, but someone who was a inherently good comedic performer. Like he could be on stage and truly commit to something with all his heart and make a fool of himself in a way that let you in on the joke. And it was just such an electric performer. You know, even his YouTube videos that are good, just don't capture that. And it's such a shame because you wish you could capture that lightning in a bottle that he did every time he was on stage and show it to the world. But, um, you know, you can't. And we just wanted to kind of play some audio and, and some from one of his sets. He was just a dearly beloved friend. Um, and just to say how much, how funny he was when we ran our show, Straight White Males, the conceit was that, and this was before, this was before people started booking more diverse lineups, okay? <laughs> we would always have, it was a show where we would book one straight white male and everybody else would be, you know, different. Um, and I think he was in one of our, like, we booked him on one of our first four shows or something. So yeah, we have, he was definitely, he was basically in our like top 20 white guys in LA. It's a book, yeah. He yeah. was absolutely wonderful. He was a queer man. He was very open about that. I mean, I mostly saw him at Chatterbox out in Covina, which is a popular comedy spot here in LA, and at Akbar, which is a gay bar in Silver Lake here in LA. I mostly saw him at those places. And um, I, I got always the fun Richard, always the Richard that was gregarious and outgoing and funny. Um, I know that a lot of his close friends knew him in a much more in-depth way, but I feel thankful for the Richard that I did get. You know, he was someone that I always felt very comforted by whenever I would see him out doing comedy, but also just at gay bars. I know that when I was single at Akbar, when I would like, outside of Akbar where all the gays smoke and, and, and everything, or like call their Ubers, that's when like you all close the deal, basically, and you kind of like each other like to see like, oh, did I, is this guy as attractive as he was inside on the dark dance floor? And I remember like Richard would, if he was there, he would come out while I was like closing the deal with the guy and he would just like snuggle up into my like arm <laughs> and say nothing and would just like snuggle next to me like, I, like, I, like he was my wife or something. And I would just like hold him there while closing the deal with the guy and the guy would always be so like, is this the third or are you primary <laughs> or is this your boyfriend? Is this your husband? Whatever. And I was just like, no, that's just Richard. It's just Richard. <laughs> it's Richard. Um, and um, I'm lucky just before the shutdown, I saw him just murder at Chatterbox. I mean, he was such a good comedian. I remember when we became better friends back in 2014 is because we went on a comedy tour together and I could just not follow the guy. I remember doing a set at some place, I think it was the Nightlight in Oakland, and I had to follow him and just like, unless you're someone who can be like so in the moment, and I definitely wasn't that with the comedian at the time, you cannot follow someone like that because he's just like, comedy is not just in what he's saying, it's like everything about him. It's just coming out of his course. He's just so funny. So they had to switch us when we went to Cinecave to the next venue because I was like, Steve, don't make me follow him again. So he's like, oh, believe me, you're not. You'll <laughs> we never follow <laughs> uh, But he was always so encouraging. Like even after I got off stage having a lackluster set and him murdering, he would come up to me and he'd be like, dude, you're so funny. I love this joke and I love that joke. And, I, it, and it would be like, you know when someone gives you a compliment and you you truly mean what you're about to say to them, but it sounds less genuine because they just gave you a compliment. Yeah. And it's like, no, dude, you're so funny. You literally just murdered, you know? I, I mean, his death is, I still can't believe it. It's so devastating. He is someone that, 
I wish wasn't in such a dark place like he was for so long because he's someone who should, he had such a good heart and was such a good comedian that I feel like he's someone who deserved more from the industry and more from life in general. I just, rest in peace, you know, there, I could go on and on. I have a million stories. I was going through our Facebook messages um, together over the years and I forgot I had messaged him back in December of 2019 and it's just making me cry. Like, you know, you could just go on and on. It was really, yeah, it was really bittersweet. I, I wrote this on Facebook, but he, he is actually like one of my favorite in 10 years of comedy. My favorite like open mic memories was like when I had, I feel like it was earlier when I moved to LA and it was one of those nights where you're like, trying to get up at a place and it is like and you you were there with me i think it was simon gibson i think maybe rachel was there like um it was one of these nights where you try to get stage time and guys just you know like when you're in la you're getting three minutes of stage time you know and you try and you go somewhere or you go to another mic whatever it's like we had gone to echoes under sunset and it was one of these nights where like literally like trolls from the bridge were like coming in like wandering people who were like insane like half these it was like a room where there was like 65 people like a quarter of them were like mentally deluded at the time and not just the comics like craziness and we sat there all fucking like i want to say literally it was like four hours like and it was like probably like 11 45 p.m we still hadn't gotten up it was one of those nights where like every single person there like even the janitor went up before us and we were the only like three people left there and and richard was hosting and he would go up in between everybody and like riff and he did a lot of like crap he was like a very physical you know kind of guy and uh he would be like dancing and we were like it was at a point where we just started like we weren't even mad anymore we were kind of just like maniacally laughing because it was so such a disaster of a night and he would go up and finally it was like the just like three three of us left and he goes up and he's like on stage and he's like still dancing and stuff and then he literally goes Hey man, you guys are so nice. We're sticking around. Hey, you know what? Just have a good night. Get home safe. And he <laughs> didn't realize that our names were still in the bucket. And we were like, dude, Richard, whatever. And he was like, oh shit, like totally fucked up. And he felt so bad. He stayed in and he watched, like, honestly, we were performing to nobody. It was just for him. But he was like extra laughing to be nice and like, because probably he felt No, bad. I remember leaving that night. It was so crazy. And Richard, it's hard to hate Richard even when he did something like that. Yeah. That we weren't even mad leaving that mic. And you know that me and you would get pissed. Like when that stuff would happen at the Ice House mic, we would be so fucking pissed. But because it was Richard and we just enjoyed him. And it was such a, it was so wild. And it was like, he was DJing, he was getting more wild. Like it was so ridiculous. And I, but I remember thinking like, fuck like what a disaster of a night but like how fun that I like live in LA and do comedy and have friends to like share these like ridiculous like it was one of those nights where I go what why am I spending four hours of my life in a fucking like troll den you know trying to get up but so yeah that was my uh probably my fondest memory of him but rest in peace Richard we love you rest in peace Richard um so we'll be back guys next week and we will continue the fight and the outing of Lady G and her queens. Oh yes, we'll we'll have we'll hopefully have more developments by by next week about Lady G and her court. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, have a good week. Bye. It's gonna remind me of Richard Payne, everybody. Richard Payne. Sorry, sorry about that. I I wrote my my jokes down and dropped them earlier like a real goof. You pick thank you. I don't know where I'd be right now. I mean I'm riffing right now. I'm riffing right now. Um I, I gotta look at this to know what to say and that's the weird thing, you know, nobody wants to find someone's set list. It's just scribblings. It's like, oh, uh, cry a lot sleepover. Okay. Um, uh, Pixar cry. Okay, this guy's uh, maybe going to college or something. Uh, oh boy, uh, uh, flick a cigarette. Huh? He's uh, he's an artist, obviously. Yeah. This is not, that, like, a comedian set list is so stupid. It's the stupid, it's the biggest ramblings of what the fuck?
This fucking maniac. Somebody put a bullet in this fucking guy. Look what he wrote. He's insane. Um, forgot to mention, I got a couple credits. I do. Uh, I do. I forgot to mention on Tuesday. Uh, I'm actually uh, one of Comedy Central's top ten comics to watch this year. You steal from Lassen's. Um, they're expensive, and I don't know if you heard the punchline. It's a new year. Oh boy, going up. La I'm the last comic. Thanks for sticking around, guys. Wow, wow. I'm like, you know, I'm headlining. <laughs> I'm headlining. I'm headlining. I'm headlining. In LA, that is the best when they're like, when you're in LA and they go, you're going up last. You go, I'm, I'm headlining, right? And they go, yeah. I'm headlining. My mommy told me I'm headlining. New Year, I knew every, you know, I love New Year's Eve, you can start over, I, I love it, you know, New Year's, it's my holiday, and I feel it, you know, I really do, I feel it, 2014's gonna be my year, honestly, it really is, like, does he have a flow to his comedy? Um, I, I, it's, it's cold out, I love it, jacket weather, who's with me, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Who's a fat guy with tits, huh? Ooh, it's cold out there. Cover up them titties. I'm fat. I am fat. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about this jacket either. I'm more of like a hoodie guy. It's like Wednesday. I wear the green hoodie. I don't know. This is a little high fashion for me. I really, uh, it doesn't make sense. Like I walk into Taco Bell. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> can I get the chalupa? Can I get the double chalupa with extra nacho sauce, please? <laughs> doesn't fit right. Recently got a massage. I don't do that often. I treated myself. Treat yourself. Hey, it's it's 2019. Treat yourself. I went out and I got a massage. I got a massage from an old Asian man. Wow, never done that before. Highly recommend it. He, uh, this man, he, uh, he like did something to me. You know, he's like been doing it for so his hands were so strong and he was just like I mean he fucked me like I mean he didn't fuck me but like I wish he would have fucked me. His hands were so strong he was just like breaking things. I had dried up tears on my face at the end of the massage. Like you're good. You're good. I'm bad. You're good. You know that thing in a massage you know that thing when they hold your hand and they like snap your fingers and they do that little snap finger thing? You know when they're doing that and you don't let go and you hold on to his hand and you go, I love you. And now I'm dating a 64 year old Asian man and he wants to move in. He wants to move in. If I move, it's funnier. Um, I don't know if you can tell, I'm, uh, I'm a rapper, too. I rap, uh, I grew up really tough. The project, we used to call it Brick City. That's the thing, you know, like, I love rap music, but one thing I've noticed now in rap, they do a lot of gun noises, have you guys seen this? They like, in songs, it'll be like, like these are fucking grown men sitting in a recording studio and they're like oh, I'm so mad oh, we gotta get him how we gotta get him oh, you know 
know what I'm gonna do? I swear to God, I swear to God, I'm gonna be like, Brrr. I swear to God, I'll be like, Brrr. I'll be like, chick, chick, I want him to go one step further. I want him to be like, I got a fucking ray gun, like, whoa, 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 whoa. You get him a UFO, I'll be like, Brrr. you get on UFOs, like, means business. He's, he's mad. He's so mad he's making gun noises. That's um, MS-13. Like, whenever I'm at work and I start crying, everyone's like, he's got a gun! Like, 